Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That old, familiar feeling was back. He wasn't sure when he first felt it. Like most of us, he couldn't put his finger on when that feeling first was experienced. Perhaps it was when his mother put him down ever so briefly so she could attend to something in the kitchen and his heart would sink and his breathing would quicken and cries of terror would fill the room. Moms, you've experienced that? Or maybe it was trying to sleep on a stormy night with the crash of thunder and the shock of lightning, howling winds screaming past the windows and the door, and he desperately trying to hide his face in the blankets. Or, or maybe it was the stories that his dad would tell about Azazel, the demon of the wilderness. It was a story that had its roots in the journeys of Israel through the wilderness. And it was remembered every Passover when the people would send out the goat for Azazel. And it would wander in the wilderness. And there were stories that would circulate about the demon. And if you wandered too far from the village, dads like to scare their kids. Or perhaps it was stories of the sea. They lived right off the Sea of Galilee. Dad was a fisherman. And he would tell tales of creatures. Creatures in the water. Leviathan was a favorite. Serpent-like, dragon type of elusive, Loch Ness monster kind of thing. And here he was. Night had fallen. They had been commanded to row across, make their way across the sea. And this horrible, sudden storm came up. And the wind was blowing. It was howling fiercely. And huge waves were breaking over the boat. And men, experienced sailors, were desperately bailing water And that old familiar feeling was there. Fear. In fact, the fear was so great that they were amazed that their master sat, actually laid down peacefully, head on a cushion, sleeping. Sleeping at the rear of the boat, that's what us land lovers call it. It'd be the stern for the pirates amongst us. They roused him desperately. They cried out, Don't you care? Don't you notice? We're going to perish. And Jesus, have you ever pictured what this must have looked like? You ever pictured what this must have been like? Perhaps this is the first time you've ever entered into it with your imagination. What was it like when Jesus 
stretched. Mm. Been a long day. Wipe the sleep from his eyes. It's in the middle of the night. He adjusts his sight. He looks around. He starts to feel the motion of the boat. He notices the panicked faces. He sees the deer in the headlight look. He sees the activity of the water being pitched overboard. He sees the water filling the boat. He notices the terrible predicament they're in. He sees the disciples help us. Does Jesus, in your imagination, raise his voice? How does this go down? I kind of like to picture him like kind of rocking back and forth and watching all this. And he goes, be quiet and stay quiet. Could you imagine? The scriptures tell us that suddenly the wind stopped. And not just that. Do you, you ever been on a boat and the winds die down, but the, the waves continue? Well, the scriptures tell us that there was a dead calm, a mega calm, a great calm, and it just stopped. And there was that familiar feeling again. The feeling that he couldn't figure out when he first felt it. That feeling that he felt whenever there was a horrible storm. Whenever he felt it, he was afraid. And here he felt it again. And not just him, everyone. And the text tells us that they feared a great fear. This is a story that is told to us in Mark chapter 4. It's this story of Jesus calming a storm. And I wanted us to enter into it, not just by reading. We'll do that in a moment. But I wanted us to feel it. Because I think oftentimes we read these stories. And this, by the way, is one of those ones where we kind of go, you know, Jesus, the disciples have a point. And you're a tad irritating in this story. I wanted us to enter into it because if you've ever been in a life or death, super scary situation. And we've all been there. And if you haven't, you just haven't lived long enough or you don't remember. One time I was driving home from uh, CU Denver. It was down on the Auraria campus. And it had snowed the night before and the roads were a bit slick and I always went down I-25 and I'd get off on Spear. And on the way home, I got onto Spear and the roads had melted. Everything was wet. And Spear, when you come off a Spear, it's a clover leaf and you go underneath Spear Boulevard to merge onto the highway and it's not a very long opportunity to get merged into the traffic, but I didn't care because I had a Cullis Oldsmobile 1972 V8 350 engine, rocket engine, even set it on there. And I put my foot into the accelerator as I always had done. 
I wasn't afraid. I could merge anywhere. Yeah, you'd watch the gas do this. But it was fun. And it was fast. Only this day. This day, the, the water was frozen underneath the overpass. Everywhere else was wet. And me being a young 19, 20-year-old, I hit the gas. My car went out of control. I lost control of it. It fishtailed, and then it just jumped out from underneath me, and it spun me all the way across the highway. If you've ever been there, it's a divided highway. Spear, or I-25 there, at that point, had three lanes southbound and three lanes northbound. And my car spun all the way across those three lanes so that I was heading northbound on the southbound side of I-25. Fortunately for me, God had sent an angel Fortunately for me, there was a break, a gap in the traffic that I was trying to jump into, and I had spun all the way across, and I had not hit a thing. No one had to squeal their tires. Everybody was able to get stopped as they looked at me. (laughs) And if you had that feeling, that life or death feeling, that, oh my gosh, feeling where you just get that shot of adrenaline and then you feel the adrenaline and it makes you sick and it shakes you and you can barely get the car righted. I think that's how the disciples felt. These are experienced sailors. These are folks that know life and death situations on the sea. And I think they got that dose of adrenaline and they just got to work because they knew we're going down, folks. And I want you to feel that because when we feel that, any of our behaviors, any of our reactions, anything we do at that moment, it reveals so much about us. It tells us who we are. It tells us what we trust. It tells us what we believe. And these men, they turned to Jesus, a carpenter of all things. I guess maybe they hoped, hey, patch the ship up, dude. We got a hammer and some nails. Maybe you could slap something together real quick. They turned to Jesus. Why? Well, they've been around him for a while. They've seen that he has authority. They've seen him teach. They've seen him take on authorities in Israel. He just, he just cast out a demon. Those other scary things in the world. And he said, he, he's the strong man. And now they're on the sea. And the sea's acting up. Let's read the passage. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. 
and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, you read this. And if you're just reading it on your day when you come to this text and you read it because you're trying to get through the Bible in a year and you're just reading, you know, how most of us read our Bibles. We're just reading it so we can check it off for the day. And on top of that, you've seen the flannel graph or the film strip or the movie special or the TV special. You've already, you already know how it happens. Most of the time we read this and we don't even take the time or the energy to use our imaginations. We don't read it and we don't place ourselves in this scene. Maybe it's because it has a happy ending. We already know how it's nothing to be afraid. It's all going to turn out okay. You ever been in one of those situations that you are afraid or you're concerned or you're fretting and people look at you and go, What's the big deal? It's going to turn out okay. How do you want to react to folks like that? You want to go Donald Trump on them? (laughs) I mean, there's times that we want to just, you know, you don't understand. My kids tell me that all the time now that they're teenagers. You just don't understand. You know, before I was a dad, I was an adult. And before I was an adult, I was a teenager. I understand. You're just being stupid right now. You don't understand. I'm doing some parenting right now. You see, sometimes we have a tendency to minimize what others are going through. We minimize what the disciples are experiencing here. But if we're all honest, we've been there. If you've walked in faith with Christ ever, For any amount of time, you've asked the question, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm perishing? Don't you care that I'm a wreck? Don't you care that my marriage is a mess? Don't you care that my kids aren't turning out? Don't you care that I lost my job? Don't you care about my health? Don't you care that I lost my loved one? Don't you care? We've all... Yelled that at God. If you haven't, you're just not very honest. If you haven't yelled that to God, either your God is inept and he doesn't have power to do anything about it, or you're just too polite for your own good. And you may not have a very honest relationship with Christ. See, these guys, in the presence of Jesus, They assume he can do something about this. They assume he has real tangible power that he, a carpenter, can do something about their situation. 
And sometimes that's where we first fall. We just think, well, he might care, but boy, he's incompetent. He might care, but the arm of the Lord is too short. He might care, but he certainly doesn't seem able. And sometimes that's what we think. I mean, we may not not verbalize that. Some do, and they walk away from faith. They walk away from God. They walk away from Christ because they go, if he loved me then, then I wouldn't have gone through this storm. Then I wouldn't have experienced this. Then they wouldn't have died. Then he wouldn't have taken this away from me. Then this wouldn't have happened if he loved me. Some of us have walked long enough and we know that God's powerful enough, at least in the lives of others. We've read the books, we've seen the story, we've, we've watched and heard testimony, and we have had glimpses at moments in history in our own life where we go, yeah, that's pretty cool. God pulled something together there. But yet, one of our premises that all of us have is this, if he loved me then, he wouldn't let this happen. He wouldn't let this storm in my life occur. If he loved me, you know, this story is powerful because it tells us about the power of Jesus. It tells us who he is. All the ancient cultures, all of them agreed that the sea was the power was, was the symbol for ultimate destruction. All the ancient cultures saw the sea as a scary, evil, chaotic place. Remember in the Bible in Revelations where it says, and the sea was no more. And some of you who like the ocean and the beach go, oh, I don't want to go to heaven then. That's scary. I don't like that. Did you know it's just metaphorical language for y'all? You can relax. Pretty sure there will still be oceans and beaches in heaven. Because heaven will be here. And there's oceans and beaches here. What is the text telling us? The sea was no more. It's telling us that chaos was no more. Storms were no more. Destruction was no more. Oh, I like that ocean. There's a part of me, though. I've told some of you this. I want to someday, if I can be assured that I will survive the incident, I would love to be out in the open sea in a huge vessel, like an aircraft carrier, and experience one of those mega waves. I had a friend in, uh, the, in the Navy, and he said that they had to repair sometimes the flight deck of um, aircraft carriage because the waves would break over the flight deck and bend back the steel. That's power. And there's a part of me that goes, oh man, that'd be kind of fun to experience that. As long as I don't fall off, as long as the boat doesn't go down, that'd be kind of cool. There's a part of us that wants to see that sort of power, experience that, and just be in awe of it. And all the ancient cultures said the only beings that could control the sea were God's. In fact, Second Maccabees chapter 9. Maccabees is a, is a book that was written 
during Israel's history. It was written between the Old and the New Testament. And there was a story in there about a ruler from Syria. He was a dictator. He's a person of history. His name is, um, I've got to find it here, Antiochus Epiphanes. And Antiochus Epiphanes, he was a, a real live Syrian dictator. You thought they just existed now. They had a long line of them. And Antiochus Epiphanes, he had the audacity, he had the nerve to claim that he had the power to calm the sea. And every Jewish rabbi raised up and they proclaimed blasphemy. Blasphemy, that's not just overreaching, that's blasphemy. That is claiming that you are God and only God can control the waves. Only God can control the sea. Antiochus Epiphanes, you're not God. See, all the ancient people thought that only gods can control the sea. And here in their boat is a guy who just said, be quiet and stay quiet. And it happened. I mean, it happened the moment he uttered it. And did you notice how he exercises this power? There is no, in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh, by the power vested in me. What is Jesus doing? He is saying, I am the power. I am the power, and every power that exists in this world is on loan from me. Every power, every authority that exists, anyone given power, including the president, power's on loan. The power comes from me. It's on loan from he who is power, the strong man. See, Jesus is the strong man. He is the man who is strong. The storm was strong. The power of the storm was strong. But the power of the strong man is stronger. The power of Christ is stronger than the storm. That's why that feeling of fear. Did you see what the disciples said? Did you see what they felt after he said this? Be quiet and stay quiet. They felt a great fear. You see, your whole life is one of storms. In fact, modern day science teaches that everything exists because of storm. Now, I don't know if I subscribe to these notions or not, but um, they say that everything exists because of some great big bang at the beginning of time, as we know it. That there was a big bang and everything just happened and came into existence that it's all in existence because of storms it's all in existence because of this accidental storm that occurred and your life is subject to storms it's always subject to storms it may not always feel like it's a storm but old age feels like a storm sometimes death feels like a storm Infancy can feel like a storm. Having babies feels like a storm. Changing diapers is a storm. (laughs) Losing your job is a storm. 
Losing your health is a storm. Your kids being distant and far off is a storm. Your life is a storm. And we all need somebody that's stronger than the storm. We all need someone who comes along and says, be quiet. Stay quiet. One of the things that's super irritating, though, with this passage is just how unmanageable Jesus is. Did you see how unmanageable he is? What do I mean by that? You see, the the disciples are terrified because they can't control the storm, but they're equally scared because they can't control Jesus. They can't control him. They can't say three magic words that get Jesus to do their bidding. They can't say a particular prayer that rouses Jesus. The guy is sleeping in perhaps the worst storm that the disciples have ever experienced. And do you see their words? We heard them earlier. Don't you care? Some of you, that's your your life prayer. You don't want it to be your life prayer, but it's your life prayer. And you have been going rounds with God. Don't you care? If you cared, you wouldn't let this happen. This is where Jesus' power is so unmanageable. This is where Jesus says, I won't be controlled by you or anyone else. I am power, and it's on loan to anyone who has it. And you will not conjure me up. You will not command me. You won't instruct me. You won't box me in. You won't say, in the name of, I do this. You will submit. And sometimes you will go through storm. In fact, it's like Jesus is saying, I love you. Why did you freak out? Why didn't you put your faith to work in the midst of the storm? Now, what, would, what is Jesus saying? Well, didn't they put faith to work by bugging him and waking him and, and asking him? Did you notice that he scolds them for being afraid? He scolds them for waking him, it feels. It's like they should have had enough faith, they had enough to go on with what they'd seen, that if they would have put their faith to work, they would have understood, hey, we can all sleep on this boat ride. (laughs) Do you ever feel like, Well, God's asleep, but thank God I'm doing something. Do you ever feel like that? God is once again at the back of the boat, snoozing away. But thank God I'm bailing. Thank God I'm working. Thank God I'm doing something. Thank God I'm doing this. Did you ever think that your call out of help, and more than that, your call, your accusation of don't you care, demonstrates a lack of faith on your part. It demonstrates that you have a wrong premise. And the wrong premise is this. If you cared, I wouldn't go through this. That's the premise. That's what the disciples are saying. If you cared, we wouldn't be in this storm. 
And Jesus, why do you doubt? Put your faith to work. Could you imagine sleeping through a storm like that? This is an ancient technique that the Greeks used. Tranquility in the midst of a storm was often proof of a teacher's sayings being true. That's what the ancient Greeks did in their writings. And to be able to sleep in the midst of this storm demonstrates that Jesus has unbelievable tranquility. Amazing peace. At the end of funerals, I often say, hear the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not that the world gives to you. In the midst of the storm of death, in the midst of the storm of sickness, in the midst of the storm of relationships breaking apart, in the midst of the storms of employment uncertainty, Jesus says, you can have peace. You can have tranquility. You can sleep through it. (laughs) And do you know how much of me doubts that? About the same amount that is in you doubting it now. Uh, somebody's got to bail. Somebody's got to grab a bucket. Somebody's got to get to work. Somebody's got to figure this out. Somebody's got to ride to the rescue and he's sleeping. Jesus' power will not be controlled by you. Jesus will not be controlled by you. If your God is big enough, to control the storms, then he's big enough to see you through the storms. If he can say, peace, be still, quiet, hush, stop. Could you imagine how cool this story would be? Could you imagine the other miracle that could have happened had they just gone, well, I guess we're sleeping this one out. Do you ever wonder? Do you really think God was going to let them perish? Do you really think this was the only option available to God to calm the storm? Do you think this was the only way to see them through to the other side? Jesus is sleeping. Apparently, he thinks there's another way. What if? What if miraculously, a boat that was, by all physical laws should have been at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, but it arrives at Capernaum. Is that something that God could do too? And some of you feel like you're in that boat. Some of you feel like you're in a submarine and it's already scraping the bottom and it's already taken on water and your head and you're running out of oxygen and there's little space and you're flipping out and Jesus is sleeping underwater. His power is unmanageable. You know, when you read this passage, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, one of the stories that should come to mind is the story of Jonah. I think this is somewhat intentional by Mark and also the other gospel writers. And you see that there's about six, I'm not going to go through them all, but there's six parallels to the story of Jonah with the story of Jesus here. In the story of Jonah, Freaked out, scared sailors who are experiencing a storm go and they wake up a sleeping prophet. 
another prophet, able to sleep through a storm. And one of the big differences in the stories is Jonah says, yeah, the storm will calm down. All you got to do is throw me overboard. What? Serious? Let's not listen to this guy. That guy's weird. Let's keep throwing stuff over. Let's keep bailing. Let's come up with our other. I'm telling you, the storm will go away if you throw me overboard. All right, but the blood be on your head. <laughs> it's not our idea. I'm telling you, my God's mad at me. He just toss me over. Problem solved. They toss him over and problem solved. And that's a big difference between these two stories. But in Matthew 12, we learn that Jesus is the true Jonah. And what does Jesus mean by that? He's looting and he's saying that Jonah is a type. I am a type of Jonah and I have come to still the storms. And how is he going to do that? I mean, this time he got up and said, I'm going to still the storm. Peace, be quiet. But he's also promised that he is going to calm all storms. He's also promised that there is coming a destruction of destruction. He has also said that he is going to break brokenness. He's going to kill death. That storms are going to be gone. He's going to still all the storms for us. But how? See, the way he does this is on the cross. Jesus Christ entered the worst storm. The storm of death. He entered the storm of death and he died for us on the cross. He entered the storm of death and in that moment, he did not flinch. He didn't back down. He endured the storm. He cried out as Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A question much different yet related to the disciples question. Don't you care? And Jesus went through that storm for us. You see, this should give you great certainty in life storms. That there is a God who cares. That there is one who is stronger than the storm, but he let the storm overtake him and then he triumphed. You see, his triumph came through storm. He conquered death. He rose to life. This is the hope we have. I think part of the idea behind this text is whatever storm you're going through, as strong, as scary, as fearful, as powerful, as overwhelming as it is, There is one more powerful. There is one stronger. And because he weathered the storm, because he went through the storm, and his storm took him to the grave, but he conquered. And you and I are conquerors through Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ. For his example to us, more than that, he is far greater than an example. He is God. We will never live up to him. 
We thank you, Father, that we see an example of how you love us in the midst of storm and how you will get us through the storms. And it may be in ways that we don't like. It may be ways that we don't anticipate. It may not be how we pray. It may not be what we claim. But you are faithful when we are faithless. Lord, I pray that the next time that it crosses our lips when we say, don't you care that the Holy Spirit would bring to our mind's eye the cross. And we would see the one who endured the storm of suffering, humiliation, and death and conquered by rising to life. Thank you for Christ's death and what this teaches us about our storms. Holy Spirit, make it so that we will understand this. It will penetrate us and we will become more like Christ. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you tranquility, shalom, peace, that lazy afternoon sleeping in the midst of a storm kind of peace. Amen.